I have uh, an eight-year-old daughter named Everly, and recently she just lost a tooth. And when she lost her tooth, she came up to me. She's like, Dad, I'm so grateful because I was chewing on the other side of my mouth, and I can finally chew on that side now. It's so great. And I'm like, oh, but I'm so proud of you. And then she said, but guess what? I am so thankful that I lost this tooth in New York and not Indiana. And I'm like, that's weird. Why would she say that? I'm like, Everly, why, you know, she's eight years old. Why, why, why are you saying that? She's like, because the tooth fairy gives more money in New York than, he t- than she does in Indiana. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did you get this? And, and, and I said, so I, I didn't want to poison the well. So I said, well, where did you, what, why, why is that? And she goes, New York is so much more expensive. So, so the tooth fairy, she has to give more money here. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of boss baby, eight-year-old do I have that is adjusting for inflation where she loses her teeth? If she ain't going to be an entrepreneur... I was laughing so hard thinking about this, thinking about this, but let me just tell you, you know, the reason why you all laughed and the reason why that joke was actually funny to you is because we all generally understand that the idea of a tooth fairy is something that is harmless that we create to celebrate the milestone of losing a tooth. So we just think it's harmless, it's fun, it's a little thing that families do, and, that, and it was funny when I, when I told that story. But what if I told you that that is how many of your unsaved, non-Christian friends and family members and coworkers actually feel about your church attendance? Oh, I'm talking now. What if I told you that they just think, well, that's cute, they just go to church It's this thing that they made up. It's this thing that all these other people made up. They're all in on it together like the tooth fairy. And bless them, it's harmless. And those are your nice family members. The other ones think you're in a cult. (laughs) But the nice ones, they just think it's harmless. It's whatever. But can I just tell your friends and your family members and your unsaved loved ones that the church was actually created by Jesus. Religion was created by man. And so what we're doing here is we're doing church. We're being the church. We're assembling together. But this was not man's idea. Matter of fact, there's two covenants in the Bible, and God created both of them. The first one's marriage. When Moses, or pff, Moses, I don't know my Bible. When, when Adam was in the garden, he had a personal relationship with God, but he felt lonely He didn't know how to satiate that desire. You understand this. He did not go to God and say, God, I need a woman right now. I want to make out with her. I want to walk on the beach. I want to have long romantic conversations. He he didn't know how to fulfill the desire of loneliness, but he went to God and God says, Adam, I'm going to remove a rib and then I'm going to make a woman and the two will become one, one bone, flesh on flesh. That was God's idea. Is there anybody thankful for it? Okay, there's a couple of married people. All the rest of you, just wait for the marriage conference. You'll be amen and a little bit louder after we help you. (laughs) But it was God's idea. But let me just tell you, can I go a little bit deeper? God did not say, Adam, you are going to have many preferences, so I will make you many wives. 
He didn't say, I'll make you one wife that you connect on cooking, the other wife you connect on working out, the other wife you connect on long intellectual conversations, the other one you connect with physically. He gave him one wife. When you go and read the New Testament, or I'm sorry, the Old Testament, as you continue to read through the Old Testament, we do see people taking on multiple wives, but there's a difference between the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God. In other words, there are things that God will let you get away with, but they still violate his design. And so here's the thing. I don't think you can have multiple churches just like I don't think you can have multiple spouses. But just because God lets you go to multiple churches, just because you feel chills when you listen to that worship set, because I go to that church for worship, just because you shout that preacher down because he says what you want to hear, just because you're matching your preferences doesn't mean that it's matching God's design. Because something happens when you covenant to one that doesn't happen when you attempt to be committed to many. Oh, y'all. I know I'm preaching good. I know I'm about to mess you up today. Because what happens is we become consumeristic. But see, we are not supposed to be consumeristic. We're supposed to be covenantial. The, the kingdom is a kingdom of covenant, not consumerism. Matter of fact, the only reason why Jesus laid his life down for you is because he expects you to do the same for him. Oh, look, nobody shouted me down. Well, why? Because the gospel that you were preached was a false gospel. You were preached a gospel take from God. The true gospel is as, you, as your allegiance comes with his, you'll say, you laid your life down for me, and now I will willfully become a living sacrifice for you because covenant is 100% and 100%. It's not 50-50. It's not 50-50. And so the reason why I've got to get this right on the inside of many of you is because the covenant of marriage See, here's the thing. When you're committed to someone, it's different than a covenant. If you're committed, you could just stop dating. You can stop seeing each other. But when you're covenanted, you got to file for divorce. Do you see the levels and the layers? When you're committed to a whole bunch of churches, you could just stop going to one of them. But when you're covenanted, oh, I'm going a little bit deeper. But there's also power in covenant. There's a power that flows through covenantial relationship. And I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 19, that will, that will just take this to a whole nother level. So check this out with me. In Matthew, this is what it says in chapter 16. And when you look at these verses, it kind of makes more sense. I will, let's back up. Blessed are you. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church. Jesus invented, imagined, created, visioneered, established his church. It is his church. It's not man's idea. Religion is man's idea, but church is God's idea. It's the body of Christ. The second covenant that we have created in scripture is Jesus spilling his blood so that we could become married to him as the body and the bride of Christ. Can I get an amen? Okay, so this is the thing I need you to understand. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Now there's a name change that begins to happen. He's emphasizing a fragment of the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not even prevail against it. Let's go to the next verse. It says, I will give you. Somebody say, he will give me. Okay, I just wanted you to hear yourself say those words. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Look at this, whatever you but I thought my priest was supposed to do all the praying. I thought my pastor was supposed to do it all. I thought my connect group, no, it says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is flowing his authority of the kingdom down through covenant, through covenant. I wanna relieve you of some pressure right now. The church is not built through convincing it actually grows as the Holy Spirit reveals. Here's my first, my first point. We try to convince, but the Holy Spirit reveals. I wanna just tell you, do not try to convince your spouse to join V1 Church because the Holy Spirit will reveal. Do not try to convince your kid to join the church because the Holy Spirit reveals. Matter of fact, the more you try to convince, the less he's able to convict. Come on, come on. The more you try to convince your husband, the less Jesus is released to convince your husband. Why? Because you've tried to become Jesus. You've tried to do his job for him. Matter of fact, if you step out of the way and say, I can't even get my point across to my husband anymore, to my wife anymore, to my mother anymore, to my, my sibling anymore, to my child anymore, once you get out of the way and stop doing the Holy Spirit's job, the Holy Spirit will do what you couldn't do. The Holy Spirit will convict when you stop trying to convince. Matter of fact, I don't feel the burden to grow this church. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has to reveal to people whether they ought to be in this church or not. And when pastors try to do the Holy Spirit's job, they become manipulators. Oh, come on, y'all. When I try to convince you to stay, then the Holy Spirit can't convict you through covenant. You get what I'm trying to say? If I told you to come, then you can, then it's me versus you. But if the Holy Spirit told you to come, it's you versus the Holy Spirit. If, come on somebody, and if, if you'll get out of God's way, then your husband will have a road to Damascus experience where Paul was confronted with Christ and Christ didn't say, hey, why are you persecuting those Christians? He said, why are you persecuting persecuting me. Did you ever notice that? I, I think somebody, I just blew your mind because he, he was saying, you, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? But see, if it's you versus your kids, you versus your spouse, you versus your coworkers, then they are rejecting you. But if you say, God, I'm going to get out of the way, you, you reveal, then they got to, they got to take it up with God. Doesn't that take the pressure off? 
Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, for my Father who is in heaven. Convincing someone becomes manipulation. Convincing someone becomes labor and work. Convincing someone becomes disappointment when they don't accept what you're saying. We don't try to convince people to become the church. The Holy Spirit reveals the reality of Christ to become the body. Can I go on to the next point? True godly authority is not man appointed. It is God anointed. Now, you think I'm talking about campus pastors. You think I'm talking about myself. This pastor is trying to help himself out right now. Actually, no, I faked you out. I'm talking about you. I said, I'm talking about you. Godly authority is not self-appointed. It's God anointed. Do you know what people tell me all the time? I'm not ready to serve in the church yet. Well, then guess what you just told me? You think that you have the authority to appoint yourself when you want to appoint yourself. Oh, I tricked you. I'm not ready to serve in the church. Yeah, but then what you're saying is you're the one who chooses when you become appointed. If you didn't anoint yourself, then you can't appoint yourself. See, God's gonna call you before you feel ready because that's gonna prove that he's God and not you. He'll take the simple things of the world and use the simple to confound the wise. He'll take the unqualified and he'll actually qualify them through his spirit in a moment. You receive the kingdoms. You don't learn the, the keys to the kingdom. You don't earn the keys of the kingdom. You receive the kings of the kingdom. The gift of God is given freely, and he's not a God to repent for the gifts that he's given. And so at the time where Peter was told, I will build upon you, and you will be, uh, not even the gates of hell will prevail. Do you understand that Peter, at that particular point in the timeline of his life, had some of his biggest failures coming up? This is Peter before being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Peter before leading thousands in a day. This is not apostle Peter. This is barely disciple Peter. Isn't it just like God to tell you what he's going to use you to do when you feel the least likely to do it? I said, God, come on, somebody. I said, God anoints it's not self-appointed, which means the only appropriate response is not, I'll wait until I'm ready. It's God, here I am broken. Here I am full of sin and addiction. I'm not going to wait and clean myself up. I'm coming to you to let you clean me up. That's the gospel message is it's not I'm good. It's he's good. It's not I figured it out. It's his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so I am not going to self-appoint what God anointed. I just say, here am I, send me. That's you. That's you. For far too long, we've taught in the church that, oh, the, your pastor's anointed. Don't talk about him, but you're anointed too. So stop talking about yourself like that. Stop canceling yourself like that. Stop, stop cursing yourself like that. Touch not my anointed, neither do my prophets any harm. Who are you to talk to you like that? Come on, somebody. Who are you to come out of agreement with God's choice? 
When you dishonor yourself, you're disagreeing with God. He saw something in you before the foundations of the world. He saw something beyond your job. He saw something beyond your vocation. He saw something deeper than your past. Who are you to disagree with God's choice if he chose you? I got to get to the point where I say, I'm going to stop disagreeing with God about me. That's what I want to put in the spirit of this church. That's what I want to put in you. Who are you to get in God's way for yourself? Too many Christians can encourage somebody else, but haven't learned how to encourage themselves. Too many leaders can push other people into greatness, but don't feel that they're worthy to walk in. But I'm here to tell you that God agrees. God agrees. Why do you think Jesus sent them out two by two? Because he said, you're going to learn how to agree about my choice of each one of you individually together. Two by two. The Bible says one will put to flight a thousand, but two ten thousand. Why is it an exponential number? Because multiplication happens through agreement. It's just somebody joining and said, you know, so many people who joined this church when they came, they were addicted, but I prophesied their future. And I said, oh, you're addicted now, but you're going to have the keys of the kingdom to unlock addictions of other people. Oh, people come to this church. Oh, my, my marriage is on the rocks. I don't know if we're going to make it. Not only are you going to make it, but the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. See, to conquer means your marriage becomes stable. To be more than a conqueror means you're leading the marriage connect group. See what I'm trying to say to you? You got to start talking like God. You got to start presenting it like God. And, and I'll tell people of our church, he's not just trying to give you back what you lost. He's trying to restore fourfold because that's the power of agreement. That's the power of covenant. Covenant. Thank God it's not irrevocable. Once God said yes about you, he can't change his yes. Thank God he can't change his mind. I've done a lot of things to make him change his mind, but he said, I can't because I've covenanted to you. I'm talking to somebody today. You think you can change God's mind, but he covenanted to you. It goes deeper than commitment. And if you've been wounded by somebody breaking their commitment, you will be healed by God fulfilling his covenant. I feel it in the fiber of my being right now for somebody because you're trying to preach church and covenant in the most divorced, broken generation on human history. It's got to be revealed. It can't be convinced. It's got to be revealed. Lord, help me. I got a few more to go. We're almost done. Okay. Peter was imperfect. Peter experienced fear, rejection, rebellion, and self-doubt. But none of that, none of that disqualified him from leading the church and fulfilling God's call. Becoming part of the church requires agreement with God's choice even when you don't see it. That's what I'm saying over you. You, you, don't, you don't see it. You don't see it with your marriage. You don't see it with your single season. You don't see it with your kids, but you have to believe it before you see it. Blessed are those who believe and yet don't see. That's where the blessing is withdrawn because what does that require? Faith. Faith, faith. This last point is this. Jesus gives us the keys of the kingdom to build his church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I just, I need to double down on this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give them to you. Now listen, when you go to school, you take tests. If you pass all your tests, then you graduate. 
in the kingdom of heaven, you will actually be graduated before you even pass your test. And I know that doesn't make sense. Some of you, I confused you right now, but let me explain. The reason why God graduates you before you pass your test in the kingdom is to prove who the source of power really is. And so he will always bring you into a realm that I feel the prophetic anointing all over this. He will always bring you into a realm that feels beyond you, above you. He'll always take you somewhere that your bank account can't sustain because you're going to have to learn how to tap into an eternal supply. He'll always take you to a place where your mind and your emotions, you feel like you're under the weight of it. But I want to tell you, gold does not catch on fire. It's just refined. <laughs> gold does not catch on fire. It's refined. You ain't going to burn up in this situation. You're just going to be purified. And that this is, he'll graduate you before you're worthy just to prove that he's God, just to prove that he's going to give. And I, I just have to say this, he will give you the keys of the kingdom and you can't earn it. You can't learn it. You receive it and you steward it. You can't earn it. You can't learn it. You receive it and you steward it. There was a moment where I couldn't preach. I was given the keys of the kingdom to preach at 15 years old and I preached my first sermon. I didn't learn how to preach. I didn't earn the right to preach. I received the keys of the kingdom and then I had to go on a journey of stewarding that to be faithful to the gift. That's the way it works. You don't earn it. You don't learn it. You receive it and you steward it to some hear me. And, but God does that on purpose because if you, if you were the source, if it originated with you, you become the anchor. If you convince your husband to get saved, then you're your husband's anchor. If you convince your kids to serve the Lord, then you're your kid's anchor. And when you die, so does their faith. If you train yourself to be eloquent and you get on the stage to preach, your words will sound good but have no power. If you take vocal lessons to try to earn and learn how to sing with vocal gymnastics and operatics, the world will say scientifically you're in key, but I felt nothing. But the keys of the kingdom are given. I just, I, I just, this is a premier message in your life. This is the beauty of the local church is the gifts are given. The keys are given. It doesn't make any sense. It, it humbles you. One of the reasons why people get arrogant in the local church is because they don't know the keys are given. They think they're learned and earned. <laughs> but it'll keep you humble because they'll say, you remember when you couldn't preach? And then you remember when you could? The only difference was me. You remember when you couldn't lead worship and then you could? The only difference was me. Do you remember when you couldn't lead and now you could? The only difference was me. Do you remember when you couldn't get out of Egypt, but then that Red Sea parted? You struck your staff, but that miracle was on me. See, God will take you to a place where he'll prove this one's on me. And that's what the local church is all about. It's all about understanding that the keys of the kingdom come together in such a way that says, Peter, when you're scared, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will receive the keys of the kingdom. That little girl was enough to actually shipwreck your faith when she asked if you were a disciple. But there's gonna come a time where the keys of the kingdom will be given to you and you'll boldly proclaim even unto death the gospel. The only difference is you'll receive it. These keys are not manufactured by man. They are received from God. Can I just talk about manufactured by man? You know, there's a lot that's manufactured by man, and I hate it, and I'm trying to get us back to the purest version of what the church should, should be, but I will tell you this, there's a lot of critics, and there's a lot of people that talk, but, but singing was not manufactured by man. It actually was given by God. There was a being named Lucifer that could tell you all about singing because his voice sounded like hundreds and hundreds of voices in unison. He understands the power of music. Isn't it just like the one who understands the power of something to begin to pervert it? And see, what, what happened is there's power in music, but there's a perversion in music. Isn't it just like you get in an atmosphere of worship and you feel freedom, but then you get in an atmosphere of other kinds of music and it can change you? Am I right? And so what happens is there are people who begin to criti criticize things in the local church, but what they're doing is they're actually revealing not the problem, but they're revealing the power. When they criticize, they're not revealing the, the problem, they're revealing the power. And, and like, like I told my atheist friend, I, my staunch atheist friend, I said, if God doesn't exist, why are you wasting so much time trying to refute me right now? Come on, you know, you know why would you waste your time trying to speak out against something that, that doesn't even even exist? Why would you even waste your breath? But you're actually not revealing a problem. You're revealing power behind what I believe. Isn't it crazy how your friends are okay with Buddha, but not okay with Jesus? They're okay with Muhammad, but not okay with Jesus. Your friends are okay with you doing psychics in the new age, but you dare tell them that you become prophetic and see what happens. They'll begin to criticize you, but they're not revealing any problems. They're revealing the power that's in it because you only talk about something that carries power. You only criticize something that you see as a threat. And so power is being revealed when problems are being revealed. I'm telling you, you see it in the world. Your friends have no problem with you paying for a gym membership. And you don't even go to the gym. It comes out every month and you say, I'll cancel it. And you don't. But then your friend finds out that you go, actually go to church and you give your tithe and offering, and they got a problem with that. Why do they not have a problem with your gym membership and you don't go to the gym? You don't even receive the benefits of the gym, but they got a problem with you going to the local church, giving to the local church. They're not criticizing. They're revealing the power of the local church because there's a power we have in the house that they don't have in the gym, and the devil hasn't set himself up against the gym. He set himself up against the church. This is why it reveals the power. People got no problem with you doing a Disney vacation. My wife's like, got me. But I'll tell you what, people will say, that church, they got an LED wall. They have smoke coming out everywhere. They got light. That's how I hear it. And you know, can't be God. But those same friends will pay $200 a ticket to go to a secular concert with 
literally $500,000 more production that literally just went for that rapper or that artist to go blow it and spend it however you want. And they say, oh, it was such a good time at that concert. Or they'll go to a baseball game where they got a jumbotron and a sound system that's literally 87 times bigger than any sound system of a church. And they don't say nothing about the production. Why don't they say anything about the production of the ball game or the concert, but they do the church? You're not revealing the problem. You are revealing the power. There's power in this. There's power in this. That's why you talk about it. There's power in this. That's why you got a problem with it. There's power in this. The keys of the kingdom are given us. There's power in this. Come on, somebody. And it takes somebody as crazy as me to speak through the lies because you'll feel crazy. Let me do, I didn't say this in the other services. As we come to a close right now, the thing that the devil does is he actually distorts reality. He bends it. So when, when Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan bent reality. And he said, hey, hey, you see that stone? You said in the word that a good father and he just starts distorting reality. He didn't tell Jesus to do anything demonic. He said, give me God's best. Give me God's best in exchange for mediocrity. See, Jesus was like, no, no, no. I, I see you distorting reality. That, that's how the enemy works. He distorts reality. And I really feel like in moments like this, what you're feeling is the alignment of the kingdom. The alignment of the kingdom. These keys are not manufactured by man. They are received by man because they are created by God and revealed. So let me just tell you, when a TED Talk is happening, that's the knowledge of man. When a sermon is happening, that's the wisdom of God. So when we preach, we prophetically unlock the kingdom and open the door to repentance and true conviction and people that nobody could get through to they come up under that sermon and they begin to say wow i never knew i needed a savior i heard it my whole life but somebody who has the keys of the kingdom will unlock that door and that person will begin to say i need to repent i need jesus i never felt bad about anything i've ever done in my life but i feel so overwhelmed with conviction how do i get saved how do i receive jesus but somebody will have the keys of the kingdom. When we sing, we're not performing a song like the world does, but we are using this key called melody from the storehouses of heaven. And we've got somebody at our church, Steph Haas, who God has gifted with the keys of the kingdom. And as Steph is and leading the team across all of our locations. She's opening up those storehouses of heaven. Isn't it just like when you guys hear the melody of a song? Isn't there something about your whole demeanor will shift? You hear those words, isn't it right? What your experience is, the keys to the kingdom are unlocking your emotions, unlocking your mind. And I believe God is giving the keys of the kingdom to Steph Haas and the team. Matter of fact, a month ago, we sat in a meeting and they told me their problems and they told me the limitations. And I said, actually, what it sounds like is we need a major record deal and we need to be on the same major record of all the other worship teams so that we could break this barrier. And they were like, Pastor Mike, that's a crazy goal. I said, no, I'm teaching you how, to, how I make to-do lists. I make to-do lists with his resources, not mine. And you're everything you told me is we need a major record deal for V1 Worship. 
Did you know that two nights ago, two nights ago, after only a month of that conversation, V1 Worship received a major record deal, is signing that record deal, and we are gonna share a record label with some of the biggest worship acts on the planet, and V1 Worship is stepping in because we have the keys to the kingdom. We have the keys to the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we were all laughing. We're like, I didn't think it would happen in a month. A major record deal. And Pastor Josh Hamster, our executive pastor, was like, Pastor Mike, two nights ago, he's like, check your email. You got to check it now. And I look in there and I see this record deal. I'm like, only God. Only God. But those who are faithful with little, I will make you ruler of much. When we pray, we don't repeat vain repetitions but rather we make bold declarations using the keys of the kingdom to open up doors of healing. When we give financially, we're not donating to a charity. That's not what this is, but we actually take the keys of the kingdom and we open up the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing that we can't contain. And this is not prosperity gospel. This is provision gospel that says, I will bless you to be a blessing. I will cause you to have finances that begin to build kingdom infrastructures around the world. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Poverty and lack locked you out, but the keys of the kingdom say, I'm learning how to steward the resources of heaven. So when we give, we don't give, we invest. They give to a charity. We invest in our Father's business. Praise God. I want to pray for you right now as we conclude this sermon. And hopefully you feel that you're a part of this. I'm a nobody who knows the only somebody. I've devoted my life to making his name great. If Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. If you wanna be blessed, all you've got to do is attach your life to that which God is already blessing. That's the secret. In the stock market, if you buy the stock of a failing company, you lose your money. But if you attach your money to a company that wins, your money multiplies. If you want to experience blessing, attach yourself to the local church because God is blessing the house. He's blessing the local church. He will always prevent. He died for his bride. He didn't die for a paraministry. He didn't die for television ministry and radio. He died for his bride. He died so that we could come together as one and if you want your life to be blessed invest in the house invest in what he has but do not delay saying yes and this is the last thing I want to ask you do not delay leadership from God is not man appointed it's God anointed and so all you got to do is say God I don't get it I don't get why me but I'm gonna stop trying to figure it out and I'm just gonna say yes I don't get it God but I'm saying yes. With every hand lifted towards heaven right now, I'm gonna pray for you. Father, I pray for this house. I pray, it's I love my church. God, I thank you that we are covenanting to this house, that we are coming together in one mind and one accord. God, that we are not committing, we're covenanting. God, I pray for every single person in Indiana, New York City, Long Island, all the watch parties and revival homes around the world. And I thank you, Father, that we say yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes, God. If you have a yes in your belly, would you just release that yes to the Lord right now? Come on, just begin to say yes. 
Say yes to his choice. Come on, let's just worship.